Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at giving the local public a real insight into not only what councils do, but the, the careers that they can offer the young people of today and tomorrow. I'm really excited today to have John Sadler on the podcast. He's Head of Estates and Property at Derby City Council. John, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Very well, thanks for that. Glad to be on. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Thank you for making the time. I know you're busy. Um, so, John, I mean, if we can start by just talking through your career in local government. How did you, when did you start working in local government? Oh, so I, was, I was struggling to think the exact date, but we're talking mid, mid, eight, mid to late 80s here. I've, you know, I've got over 35 years working in local authorities, various local authorities across the piece. We've worked, I've worked for unitaries, county councils and district councils, which sort of illustrates in itself the, the, the different types of councils that are across, out there, each of which have got their own different take on things. But no, certainly it's been an exciting journey so far. And I think that's one of the key things that I really want to put out there to the people that are listening is that there are some really exciting opportunities for people that come in as apprentices, as graduates into the system. Um, in terms of, I'm curious to go back for a step there. Obviously, you've worked at different councils. With regards to property, is there a different approach that you've found working for larger and then smaller councils? Yes, I think probably just reflecting on, on, on what that is. I think the more at the moment unitary if i could give an example when i worked for a county council one of my jobs was to um one of my tasks was to look at they had county farms which were surplus requirements and obviously as as population expanded various settlements expanded and these farms who were out in the country many years ago went out on the edge obviously being identified by district councils as a planning you know for housing for other developments and because they're owned by the county council, my job was to say, OK, can I get some some outline consent of these and sell them on? Great. And I think uh, the county council was a bigger experience in looking at a wide geographical area. So it, it wasn't too bothered about, about as long as it met with the planning rules with the local impact. I work now for a unitary authority at Derby City. And we have the same things. We have sites we can develop out. But obviously, there's a different perspective. It's more focused to make sure that the development that we we want to sort of see on that site is more appropriate. It actually happens. Uh, it's not just it's not just money. It, it's more the impact on the social fabric of the of, of of the council. So there's a different perception from different councils of of what property is supposed to do for them. There's a broad view it should be delivering stuff, but depending on the type of authority they have a slightly different view of what they want from it. That's really interesting. And I imagine, obviously, the political leadership as well will have an effect yeah. on that as well. Mm. How much autonomy do you get given in your in your leadership roles and in the roles in the past where you've been working your way through the system? Do you get in terms of, you know, um, John, you know, we um, we want to this is our destination we want to get to. How much autonomy yeah. do you have in terms of the journey that, you know, and how you want how you get there? Yet again, there's no one size fits all. I think my experience with local authorities, if you come forward with ideas and say, I think I've looked at this, I think we can do this, and uh, and, and this is where the, your knowledge of how local authority works, and as the further I've gone through my career, the better I can apply it, is to say, yeah, I want to do this. I want to, I think, yes, if I went to speak to next door neighbour and, and bought that piece of land, I could add it together to make it a more valuable opportunity. Um, and then it's how I pitch that. 
And I think there is autonomy there. And I think one of the things that I've always experienced is if you can be seen to be getting things done and bring things forward, they'll consider it. Now, they might say no, but there's a lot of autonomy in that. Um, obviously, any, ultimately, all decisions are either made by councillors or councillors delegate them down to, to, to chief officers. So what I'm doing is making recommendations. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunities and flexibility to come forward with recommendations of how we could we could develop things along. Obviously, it depends a bit on local councillors. Some some local councillors want a very hands-on view of life. Other people have, have, have stepped back. But there is a lot of autonomy is to, is to actually develop ideas. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I'm keen to, to explore with you is the variety of work that local government property leaders and surveyors kind of have going through. And I think it applies for a lot of roles, but relating to your experience, if you compare, if you were uh, starting out as a, a graduate or as a, a, the starting position within a property function at a council, could you just give us a bit of detail around the variety you get compared to, say, if you went to work for a consultancy where maybe you were pigeonholed? Yeah, sure. I think well, we're just looking at what local authority does. Local authority provides a lot of services across the piece. A lot of them are highly visible, like uh, street cleaning, schools, etc. Some of them are behind the scenes and, and, and not very visible at all. Unfortunately, when the bad news comes, it's those areas. I'm talking about dealing with vulnerable people, dealing with more elderly things. A lot of these services need properties to be to work from. These may be care homes. These may be um, pieces. Um, depots, maybe offices, maybe school buildings, maybe community buildings, all of which are slightly need slightly different ways to deal with them. In addition, you'll get the standard, you know, you have industrial units, you have bits of land let, let out, you have shops that are let out to, to tenants. So you've got a whole spectrum there of both landlord and tenant work, dealing with um, properties which are not are unusual that are not usually on the market how do you market a care home for example not you know how many times you, you, you get involved with that i've been involved dealing with care homes about half a dozen times working with different councils so unless you work specifically into a care home agent you won't have that experience i think just to give some examples of, of what's what my team are dealing with at the moment we've got people dealing with um selling sort of former lodges at the edge of cemeteries. I've got people starting to talk about ransom strips to, to gain access to um, development sites. We're buying in some office blocks for a uh, flood prevention scheme, which has its challenges. We've got CPO things going on. And I've got people looking at our storage requirements across uh, the, the, the council area how we best improve that because we've got buildings coming to the end of the life. So there's a whole range of experience there. And if you join, you know, the start of your career, you'd be given stuff which you might think, well, hold on a minute, this, this is a bit bit petty. What, why am I talking to somebody about uh, a 200-pound a year license? Well, actually, that's where you cut your tee off. If you can negotiate those, you can build on the experience, in my view, and then you can move on to other things and it's amazing how the experience layers on each other from your base thing and it, and it goes across a whole range of experience um uh, and i think uh, yeah i think i completely agree with you on that point though john i do think that the variety of work allows graduates to to cut their teeth yeah. and to have that experience and to get chartered and then to you know because it's it's a safe environment where you can learn and practice and 
and and going to have that um, be mentored. I mean, in terms of, in your opinion, property for local government at the moment, with the changes that have happened with Public Work Loans Board and the financial kind of stress that a lot of councils are under, do you believe that property at the moment for councils is an asset or a liability? Or do you think that's a bit of a simplistic question that is you can't give a yes or a no on that? I think it's... In answering that question, I think it's it, it, it's an asset to be used to help deliver. It always has been. It's been an asset to help deliver the council services. Obviously, local government is under financial pressure at the moment. It's always been under financial pressure, but it's very acute in recent times. So therefore, we've got to be sure that the property is delivering what it's supposed to do. Are we getting the right rents back? Are we, you know, are we getting rid of stuff which it's costing a lot of money maintenance wise which are a liability and i think from a council it's difficult it, it, there's opportunities there to 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 get the benefit or the best from a portfolio i think if you just look at that from the side of the corn as, as work experience as a surveying local authority this is very challenging and exciting times as well because it is allowing us to use our skills you know, in ways that we haven't perhaps been, been allowed to do in the past to make sure that we're delivering stuff. There's some very exciting stuff there to get rid of. For example, you know, how do we package a portfolio of properties to get rid of within a set period of time? So I think there's some challenging periods experience for, for, for the surveyors working in local authority. But, you know, but also it is a challenging time financially for councils and we have to get the best from our property portfolio to meet that challenge. Absolutely. I mean, as a property leader yourself, what would you say at the moment are the the, the most significant challenges that are, are facing not just uh, your your council specifically, but you know, the, broadly speaking, the property profession within local government? What are the main challenges and barriers to being able to do your job and, and that you're working to deliver against? I think there's, there's some key specific ones, but more some generic ones. I think at the moment. It's, it's getting that message across of what what surveyors can do for for, for property and making and, and and sort of informing people about how difficult it is i mean everybody says it's difficult every job you're doing is difficult and, and recognize some some jobs in councils that i would like to, to deal with um but the timeline and what's involved in, in delivering property outputs um for example if somebody says well can you just sell that and then I want to use the money to to reinvest into another property to develop that service. That in itself is two big projects, each of which takes time to develop and work through. And it's getting that message across of, yes, we can do that, but it'll take a bit of time and it'll cost some money to do it. And we might need to bring in some expertise from outside on the more specialist side, which leads on to the other thing there. I think recruitment is a big problem at the moment. People don't want to come into local authority. And I think, yes, we're talking about people coming at the start of careers, but also there's opportunities there for to come in mid part of your career and late on, because I think there's opportunities there. If, if you've got a surveying background, yes, you can come in. And I've had people come in from the private sector and worked mid part through their career into local authority. And they said, well, this is the best thing I've ever done. Depends what you want as an individual from your career. Um, you know, you're not going to make a fortune working for local authority, but it is a better environment. It's a more family friendly environment. You know, the, the flexible work and things like that helps you have a better work life balance. 
but that doesn't mean to say that we need people to to step up to the mark and do the job. It's not it's not an excuse for for them not doing the job. And the, uh, everybody does the, a tremendous amount of work and and uh, in local authority. And I think that's the other side of things. It's not visible as well. Part of it's hard, isn't have, it? I mean, it, that it, visibility piece. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you know things like you said, their street scene. Uh, obviously, the bins, schools, very visible to the public. And they can see if a window's broken or a bin's not being collected, yeah. but how your property portfolio has been managed. I mean, going back to that, I mean, I completely agree with you. There is an absolute skill gap at the moment in that kind of mid, uh, you know, level um, surveyor uh, across mm. the UK in local government. In your specific team, have you found any, you know, is there anything that you're doing slightly differently to what you were doing kind of pre-COVID in terms of trying to attract new talent in or any approaches that the council as a whole is doing differently to try and, engage with a wider candidate pool um i think that's difficult i think one of the things that has this started to emerge now is that we move away from a traditional hr approach of yes we must control all the all the recruitment um through ourselves advertise it put it out there on the assumption that a lot of people are out there going to apply and, and come into the into the business um and i think there's this growing realization we need external help from people like yourself to come along and and help promote jobs across the piece access better you know the 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 pool of talent across the across the country because that pool's getting smaller um and how do we get the best talent into into local authority and i think for me sorry just to interrupt there john i think that the bit that i really am passionate about what you do so well is Every council or, or public sector organisation, any recruitment process is only as strong as its brand and the yeah. consistency of that brand throughout the process. So the mm. the 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 pre kind of uh, JD going out, the interview, them starting, it has to be a consistent message that goes out. And I think it's great when there's people like yourself who have had that range of experience and really buy into the altruistic nature of the work the local government does and the benefit that you in property mm. doing your job well benefits the people who are doing childcare services, the yeah. people that are taking the bins out, being able to deliver frontline services, because fundamentally property is one of the few parts of the council that brings money back in. It is. And I think, you know, the, the, the message I would say is that every transaction we do helps the council. You know, we're being buying or selling. We do, we, we're bringing money in. We're um, making sure that we're getting the right money in, the right. And I think the other question is that the perception is that sometimes council seems a bit of a soft touch which is um, not right uh, because perhaps our decision making is such that we're taking a wide different factors than perhaps a pure commercial side of things but ultimately we have a statutory duty to get our best consideration for any transaction and and we've got we've got to meet that that duty um, and it is difficult um, you know low bad press on local authorities works well with the media um, and it's a difficult message to, to yeah. The, get media, across the, the goods. The mainstream media's view of councils—they don't understand the challenges, and it's just disgusting. Mm. It is because I think well, I tell you what—I I completely buy into, um, and I need to stop using that phrase so much. But yeah. it is, you know, councils are some of the shrewdest operators because you're trying to get something done within the confinements of procedure that's there to protect the public purse. Yeah but also to protect the morality and the sense of identity of a, of a community. You know, you can't just go off and do deals, you know, behind the mm-hmm. scenes in terms of, you know, 
quid pro quo. It's it's got to be for the best uh, the best value that that asset can be for the the public purse. So. Uh, yeah, I must say, I think, you know, people are very short-sighted if they think the councils are an easy touch, you know, some very, very shrewd operators that exist within that. Hmm. But going back to, John, to, you know, yourself and to, to local government, a question that I'm going to ask every guest that comes on moving forwards, why do you think that local government is important? I think it's 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 very important because at the moment, they are the only body that is um tasked with providing certain services across the piece we've touched on some of the schools you know uh, looking after the more vulnerable parts of society promoting the economy and it's almost a central point for a, a, a geographic area be it a city be it a, a, a county be it a district where people look to to promote that part of the you know the part of the uh, great britain and i think it, it's a Without it, you'd have very, I'm sort of hesitating because the other, the other side of things is, is, is these people are democratically elected, which is an important matter here in the sense of local people have voted for councillors for, you know, and wanting them to run these services and to making sure local people are running these services and it's not, and they've not sort of been palmed out to a quasi quango dealing with bin collection for the whole of east of England or something like that. And I think it is very important that we have that local representation and it and that's and, and that's reflected in, in, in the local councils that get elected. And I think with, without them, I think you'd lose a lot of local accountability as to how services are being dealt with. Um, that sounds a bit of a rambling answer there, but I think it's, no, it's not. It's it's a really it's interesting one about local identity and and accountability. Yeah. For, you know, because I think one of the problems that I see is it's not so much a lack of trust within local government, but I think it's more that trust issue is aimed more at central government, and yeah. people don't feel connected. I think most people don't understand local government, which is why obviously the the purpose of this podcast. But it's that trust, isn't it? You know, it's accountability. It's doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I completely buy into that. My last I, question for you, for, sorry, John. I, I was going to say is also there's there's that local knowledge of the area and what it needs and, and and what's best for the area, which which perhaps can't be really sort of interpreted if you if you have more central location. I completely agree. I mean, why would somebody in Whitehall be better placed to tell you about how you should take your bins out or be bin collection or how yeah. you manage your schools or in, in other words, also how you manage a you know a diverse portfolio with the the local uh, nuances that comes with with that region and the spending yeah. habits and the behaviour of the community, yeah. you know well, I, I think local people are best place to do that. Yeah, and I think it's 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 also having that knowledge of on the ground or very local because even even where I am, it's, it, I tap into you know sort of local war members, neighbourhood teams, what exactly is happening in the area, and that helps make me make my decisions on, on what we can do with property and things like that just an inter-reflection about um over time i've spoke to various civil servants who are you know doing a great job doing everything but their perception sometimes is is warped slightly from their locality for example we uh, some years ago we were pre-covid we were talking about um council house values you know council housing stock values and they were saying well how many how many properties have you got over 300,000 and I said about 
three. And they said, well, what, what, what do you mean three? Well, because the local housing market is such, we don't have, you know, our council housing stock is based around a certain value band. We haven't got that wide, wide value. And it's that perception is to say, well, actually different areas have different values, different needs, different requirements. And it's without that, I think, you know, without a local government body there, I think we'd lose a hell of a lot. Absolutely. Well, John, that is all we've got time for today, but it's been absolutely brilliant to, to talk to you about your journey, um, your experience with local government and, and your views. Really, really insightful. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you, Mike. I'm happy to do that. Lovely. Well, guys at home, if you could please like, share and listen to the podcast, give it a five star review. It does help us to, to carry on the work that we're doing here at the local government, um, the Truth About Local Government podcast. So from us, it's goodbye for now and speak soon. The Truth About Local Government podcast is proud to endorse SUSO, a charity set up to support people from disadvantaged and diverse backgrounds finding roles in entry-level positions within local government legal services. If you are interested in supporting this course, please find details in the link below. SUSO. Stand up. Speak out. Thank you.